Hi neighbors, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And this week it is a Richards special. The two Richards are going to tackle some cool concepts. Uh, we were, we are discussing about what direction we wanted to take this episode and we decided we might go with a listener question. Um, this is a question I personally have heard of a lot and I know it's some things that a lot of us deal with, you know, in past conversations, um, with even some of our guests, they've talked about, um, kind of therapeutic stigmas and stuff like that. So I'll just ask it real quick. Um, so the question is, how can you be a support to someone who is going through a crisis and doesn't want to receive professional mental health services? Yeah, definitely. I think in light of where we are with a long-term uh, stressor, like a pandemic, everyone's um, level of endurance is hindered and being tested for sure. Yeah. Like everybody is just like stretched beyond what they can do. And so I think it's really hard because one of the first steps that we would want to do in helping someone else, just like they say on the airplane, like put the oxygen mask on yourself first. I have to kind of check in with myself to say, how am I doing? Do I have anything left that I can give? Am I able to support somebody else right now? Or am I tapped out and I'm exhausted and I have to start with getting myself grounded and in a better place to be able to help someone? Yeah, I think that's a good concept. You know, I love that analogy of put your mask on before you help someone else. Uh, I think is such a good... Takes on a whole new level with the pandemic. Put your mask on. (laughs) Yeah. Put your mask on. Help somebody else after that. So Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that is so relevant because it is necessary. And I think sometimes whenever people them whenever other people are going through crisis, it's a good time to check up on yourself as well mm-hmm. to say, Oh, Whoa, it's, it's really affecting people. It is a good point. Like we've been in this coronavirus thing for like six months now. And so, or however long it's been 10 years. And so, <laughs> it feels like forever, <laughs> right? Like how do you even measure time? Because time does such weird things. So for sure. And so Being able to use that as a check-in, being kind of like we've talked about before, being kind to yourself and just kind of asking yourself open-ended questions, maybe uh, going over your own kind of stuff first. I think that's such a great concept because it is true. Like, I mean, if you can't even support yourself, how can you even be available or present for someone? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If if their own stuff is going to trigger your stuff, then probably the best thing for you to do is go work on your stuff. (laughs) Exactly. And I think, you know, we need to know ourselves pretty well to be able to say, what are going to be my red flags or indicators to me that I'm not in a very good place just for my own self? Like I know for me, if I start to feel more irritable, like things really bother me. That's not normal for me. I don't, I'm not a particularly irritable person. And so suddenly I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. There's a few things that are upsetting me. I wonder what's going on with me. And it's, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of 
life is what's going on. The pandemic is what's going on. There's plenty of reason. We don't even necessarily have to always think through, you know, every last detail of it. I think it can be helpful to say, have I eaten lately? Have I had something to drink? Am I getting enough sleep? Um, The flip side of that is just to be able to add in more self-care or a few more things that are nurturing so that we can replenish more. Because if life right now in this season is taking so much out of us and depleting us, we're going to have to add a few extra things in so that we can feel back to equilibrium and restored. For sure. I I do think kind of it it happens in two arcs. It's like a macro arc and a micro arc. Like, is this a a huge deal and actually you have to go deal with something deep? Or is this just a micro arc and you're like, today is just not my day? Um, I think those have different questions and different outcomes. And I think it's a good thing to point out as well, you know, that sometimes you could just be having a rough day and haven't eaten or uh, maybe like it is setting in on you and you need to look at some stuff too. So I think that's a great first step, you know, make sure that you're okay. If you notice your friend is or your loved one or your close one is starting to spiral, check yourself a little bit and make sure that you're okay. Um, I think that the other piece of this, and we've talked about this in uh, previous conversations, but it's one of kind of reminding yourself of your own boundaries and, uh, your own responsibilities, uh, taking on someone else's mental health problems or, uh, challenges, whatever we want to call them, uh, isn't your responsibility. Um, nor can it be, you know, unless you are an LPCC in which you should probably just refer them to a friend, you know, (laughs) you still shouldn't take it on because, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of ethical stuff, but essentially just to say like you are, um, and just as someone, I guess I speak for myself too, cause I'm not an LPC, but C or whatever variation, um, that I'm not a professional and I don't know how to deal with these things. And I might know some specific skills and specific things relevant to my own history, but I, I can't extend that to someone else. Um, cause I'm just not knowledgeable on that. Well, and it, it's not something that you need to carry and to take on, you know, to add to your own, um, you staying responsible for you is really important in a way of not just loving yourself, but actually helps love the people around you too. Because if I just get depleted all the time and I um, end up feeling more needy, like that's not serving myself well, it's also going to be harder on my family or my friends. So that's not to throw anyone into a shame spiral who's having needs, because I think needs are an interesting thing to reflect on that we all do have needs. We all have limits. We all have, uh, we're all human. We're working within limitations of energy or time or whatever is is pulling on us. But at the same time, um, we need to be able to be, um, interdependent to 
have uh, support for each other, that it can be mutual, that it can be balanced. I think that's a good indicator to pay attention to, too. If you've got um, relationships that are close to you, are you able to mutually support each other and care for each other? Or does it get really lopsided where it feels like um, if you become the caretaker for other people, what that translates to is all your energy is going out it's all worrying about what they think, what they feel, what they're doing, what their stressors are, how this is impacting them. What do I do to rescue or save them? Like that's not going to be healthy for you. So keeping grounded and checked in with yourself is important so that I'm doing it from a place of a functional adult, a mutual friend, a mutual relationship. It's balanced. Um, there's some reciprocity to it. There's some give and take to, I'm asking to check in on your day and see how you're feeling. And you're checking in on my day to see how I'm feeling. And together we're navigating through stressful, stormy times. And it's not my responsibility to carry everyone else's and it's not their responsibility to carry mine, but we can be in it together and, and really, you know, we've talked about like what makes us good supporters I think it's the idea of being able to create safe spaces together that you're going to be a good listener and not someone who will judge or criticize or shame or blame or invalidate. Um, things like that are going to drain a person and a relationship and not be healthy. Um, if I want to be a safe person, I'm, I'm just going to listen for that person's experience they're telling me something about them and that's okay if it's different than my experience or what I think or feel. I can just hold that space with them to help them untangle and process what they need to. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think we're kind of like going into a second step that we could call maybe just being a presence. If the first one is checking yourself and your own mental health, the second one can be just being a presence um, and I think that's really important because, you know, I know whenever I'm going through a crisis, sometimes I just have to process it and somebody I need, sometimes I just need someone there to just absorb it. <laughs> maybe not absorb it, maybe not absorb it, but maybe just to like field it with you and like untangle it together and just hear you and engage you. So it's not just like a, a flat presence where they're not, mm. you know, if someone's like really not contributing to what you're saying, you can feel like, are you listening? Are you with me? Like it doesn't right. feel connected with, but if you're engaged with someone who's curious about you or compassionate for you, then that feels very connecting and supportive for people. It feels like what you say and think and feel matters to them. Who you are matters to them. So if you take an interest and you're, you know, open to process things and listen, and um, that's an engaged, active listening and a friend that really is supportive. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction to make. And I think I actually kind of discounted how I act in conversation anyway. It is really hard to be flat and supportive at the same time. <laughs> but I do think like asking those open-ended questions, I do, I know what I say, and maybe you can tell me if I should switch up my habit or not, is more of ask like uh, emotion-based questions or trying 
just to like to say, um, I do try to, if somebody's going through something stressful and they're just, um, saying like the events that surround it or their day. And sometimes I ask like, so how are you feeling? Like, what does that feel like? You know, or, um, just asking questions to say, or maybe if they're focused on the emotions, like just been so upset today. I don't know what it is. I got angry at this driver who cut me off. Maybe I might ask a question that's like, um, well, I would ask, why are you feeling upset? <laughs> but but I, I guess like a, a different What else? That, like another phrase, a phrase you could say instead of why, like, why are you upset? Um, you know, what else was happening in your day? What contributed to that? What yeah, you know, like, like maybe there's it. It, in a way it's like helping someone find some context for like figuring out oh, why do I feel this way? Like, what is this? And, you know, why questions aren't particularly helpful that way. And so maybe just being able to say, you know, what's the hardest part about that? Like, what's really, um, really making you overwhelmed what's adding to that what's making it really hard right now yeah what about this too like maybe i think this is something i could get better at but saying definitive statements kind of like conclusionary statements or summarized statements of what they've said like if they're like man this whole day has been rough like some guy cut me off i didn't get my bagels in time and then it started raining on my head um, then maybe saying something like, it sounds like your day started off stressful and just continued that way. Um, something that <clears throat> kind of summarizes what they've said. And I mean, stories are so much longer than that. It's not like they're going to list the three things that happened to them that day. And they're like, and I'm upset. It, it'll be like a 20, 25 minute story. And then it will probably need summarized in some way. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think definitely when people are kind of venting through the different things that are upsetting them, sometimes if you can be a good listener to be able to track a little bit of, you know, you talked about this one area and then there's also this piece of it and then, you know, a third thing and you're able to kind of collect the different things that they've been um, pouring out about it kind of helps them, I think, to contextualize a little bit to say, oh, yeah, there were these three things or four things or whatever. Not not specifically numerically or anything like that, but just to say, like, you know, in this one conversation, we've talked about, you know, your commute and, you know, what your eating was like today. Like all these things have piled up. No wonder your day is hard. It really sounds like it was off from the beginning and you know, I hope tonight is restful and that you can feel like you have a chance to reconnect with yourself and regroup and, and what would be refueling to you tonight that you could do, you know, that you can help them brainstorm a little bit to say, so that they can be aware of what their needs are. Sometimes, you know, we can spiral out and not even realize we've done it, you know, that people might start to feel really overwhelmed. They're not in touch with themselves enough to realize that all these things had piled up until they start to slow down. That is something that I really love about counseling is that you have a sacred space that's on your schedule already that you get to unpack your week or your time since you saw them last or whatever, but we don't have those natural, um, pauses 
unless we create space for that in just our regular um, friendships or supportive relationships. And when you're talking about someone who's not interested in going to counseling for whatever reason, if they've got um, limitations of time or finances or finding the right therapist or whatever it is that's holding them back, um, they don't have, I mean, if you just consider that, they don't really have this intentional place where they are checking in with themselves. And so it's helpful as a friend or a supportive partner or family member that you're wanting to connect with. It's helpful to be able to do kind of some checking in of saying, you know, tell me about what's been happening lately and, you know, how have things been going for you? And, and maybe, you know, exploring a little bit of the simple answers that we get just, I'm fine. Everything's okay. It's really hard to keep the conversation going if they have nothing to offer you more, but um, taking an interest in someone or being curious, I think helps them to kind of find themselves too. They're actually finding their own footing. Right. I also think that if they adopt that language, like it's probably a sign that they don't want to talk about it. But, you know, at, at that point, just being kind of like a social outlet or doing what you regularly do and maybe following up later in the conversation, if their behavior hasn't changed, like if they're seeing seeming pretty down and under the weather and you're like, hey, how are you doing today? And they're like, and and I think, hey, how you're doing today is kind of like a hello for some people. Yeah. If if later, if if you are hanging out and nothing's kind of changed, they still seem kind of down and mopey. Maybe that is a sign to go back and recircle back and say, Hey, you've been seeming sort of like quiet today. You want to tell me about your day or something more pointed and, um, something more direct. I feel like, um, sometimes people use how's it going or how was your day as a gut just kind of, Fine and yours, you know, it's it's more of like courteous or a type of hello that people respond back and forth. So, um, but I do think it's worth following up on and not to push, just maybe once, just follow up once, you know, but to rather provide an opportunity and to say as well, maybe the convert maybe they feel more safe. Like if you're like, let's meet at a park and just talk, and then they go through rush hour traffic to meet you. They might not want to talk about their day at the very beginning. They might be feeling kind of like worn out. Um, so uh, I, I think um, it, it's worth following back up with and circling back around and asking kind of a follow-up question. So we talked about um, taking that step to kind of reevaluate yourself, you know, using this moment of crisis in order to check yourself and make sure you're okay. Um, the second thing we talked about was um, just being a good presence for someone. Um, just being there, being able to be a listener and asking good follow-up questions, open-ended questions. Um, I also wanted to add to that thought too about being present is your environment has a huge deal, like matters a lot. And what we had been talking about is if you, if you and your loved one or whoever you're cared, caring about in this instance, play video games and just sit on the couch as you guys hang out for three hours, it might be good to switch up some habits that are seemingly more destructive for ones that are better whenever you're hanging out with them. Like I remember a long time ago 
we um, interviewed Steve Doust or we did our three C our first three episodes. And the big thing is like, get outside, walk around. It's free and it's great for you. Yeah. If you find that some of your coping skills that you're using are things that actually don't help they might be how you're coping and what you're using Mm. but it doesn't necessarily make it the most effective or supportive thing for you you know sometimes people are coping with stress by complaining or being argumentative or um having you know, blaming or criticizing. That's something that someone's doing with their stress. They're trying to manage their stress. They don't feel okay on the inside. So they're letting it out. And it's kind of, sometimes you would describe it as kind of coming out the sides a little bit. It's like you're, you're trying to push something down and not deal with it, but really that's not in the end going to help heal and to really help support and be an effective way to get through hard times. It's really just going to potentially cause more damage or more harm. Yeah. What I like about all these steps too, is it doesn't involve like you just telling the other person what they need to do. (laughs) You know, it's like that joke. I I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned it yet, but just if somebody takes an intro to psychology class, suddenly they're uh, like psychoanalyzing all the people (laughs) that they live with. Um, but I do like how, you know, changing your environment, that's just something you're changing your habits, you know, um, just being a good presence. Like you're not trying to just suggest the answer for someone. You're just trying to be a good listener. Like all these things, I think my gut, I can only talk for myself is sometimes to say, Oh, well, this is your solution right here. When like that probably isn't the best thing to do and nor is it really helpful or is my answer necessarily going to be so comprehensive and brilliant that all their woes and problems just (laughs) go away. Well, in a way it kind of circles back around to what we started um, this episode talking about is that I really can only control my own experience And even that has limits too. But it's like, if I put my energy into taking good care of myself and being nurturing to myself and the things that um, will help me be my best self to show up, then that's going to do a couple things. It's going to model for the other person what practices are good mental health because they will see me doing it. They will see me choosing like in my own household, you know, my family can see me that I take time to get good rest at night or that I have yoga or meditation or drinking water or taking the dog on a walk or whatever. People see what you do. Um, but then there's also that sense of I'm in a better place that I can be present with somebody and that I can have that um, ability to hold space for somebody and to kind of buffer some of the storm that they're going through because I'm not drowning in it with them. I'm just present to um, kind of offer the support for it. For sure. A hundred percent. You know, I really do think, you know, at the end of the day, 
a good mental health therapist would be really great. I wanted to bring up just the other day, I had found out that Equitas, which is a local organization here in Columbus, I'm not sure actually if it's in other cities, but um, it provides free mental health services and like counseling. Like at the end of the day, you can only control yourself. So if somebody else is drowning or somebody else is going through a lot of this, you're right. Like they have to, you can't take that on. So it is hard because I think what I try and do on this show and I think what we try and do collectively is try and come up with alternatives that are like cheap or free so that somebody who isn't dealing with this. And I know it's hard to like your, your friend or loved one has like an aversion to therapy and it is hard because it's like at the end of the day, it's like if your leg is broken, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> it's like it, it's hard if you have had a traumatic experience with a doctor before or if you think like you're weak for going to the doctor. It's like, well, they're the ones who know how to deal with it. And so, um, yeah, it is interesting. And another thing I'd say is like maybe something that would help is just sharing your positive experiences with mental health or trying to connect them with someone that might be a better fit. Sure. Um, yeah. I think being able to validate that some people have had a hard experience in counseling, that the, the counselor wasn't a good fit. And, you know, we certainly hear about as therapists, there's, you know, you ask, have you ever been in counseling before? And what was that like for you? And sometimes people are sharing hard things of that was either a disconnect or a rupture or um, something didn't go well, something was said that didn't get repaired. And I think it's valid to, you know, hear people out if they want to share what was hard for them. And if you have any connections to share that they could try again with somebody new, or you can share your experience of it being a good thing and a good fit, that it was helpful. Um, and we've said it before on our other episodes, I'm sure about just the idea that it's not necessarily going to be your first therapist that you find that you might need to kind of figure out which, which is the best connection for you to have. And so it's okay if it's, if it's not the right fit to be able to, to say, okay, I think I need something a little bit different. I do encourage people who have a challenge with their therapist to attempt. I know it's hard to do whenever you're in counseling, you already feel vulnerable, but if you can attempt to have hard conversations with your therapist to say, this is, this is what I'm needing. This is what I feel like isn't going well, or I need something to be different. They are there to be a support for you and to learn about your style and what you're needing. And so if there's something that was said that, maybe came across harsh or didn't hit you right or something that felt confusing or something that was, um, maybe you took offense to something, you know, that's all important material for the counseling session. That's not something to close the door and say, I'm not going back. They frustrated me or they couldn't get it or they didn't hear. It's really, um, an important part of the process to be able to figure out what just happened here and what's not working. Um, 
it, it brings to mind for me about attachment. I am super into what a healthy attachment looks like. It's if we have a secure attachment, we're able to heal and grow and thrive in the world. And for us to have a secure attachment, that caregiver only has to get it right 30% of the time. Like that is shocking and amazing. Like, how is that even possible? And if they can be attuned 30% of the time, that other 70% of the time is about ruptures and repairs that we notice things were off and that, that sense of misattunement that, misattunement is not something to be um, afraid of or to give up on. It's actually something that gives us a chance to hear better and connect better and to be able to say, well, it wasn't quite this. It was more that, you know, sometimes I'll have a client say to me, you know, I thought that when you said this, that, you know, we're, we disagree on that. And, you know, I've said before, like, it's not, it's not that the therapist knows the only way there is and some one one of us is right and one of us is, is wrong. It's more that we're exploring together and kind of navigating together. And you're an important part of that as the client. You you obviously um, the central. are working through. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're working through all these layers for a great purpose. So part of the work is kind of untangling whenever there's a rupture that happens and finding ways to connect and repair and to say that didn't hit me right. And, and it also prepares you for other situations, you know, where you're not in a controlled environment with a therapist, but rather you're able to work through those things. And then later, whenever you have something similar and controversial to your own inner thing, then you're able to work through it easier. Yeah. I had the most beautiful moment, um, this week hearing one of my clients talking about the concept of repair of, you know, it was a parent referring to the relationship with their adult child. Um, but just being able to explain that, you know, it's okay if we make mistakes, it's okay if, you know, we can know that we can build trust and have commitment with each other because we'll come back, we'll circle back around and we'll make the repairs that we need to. And the client told me the reason why I know that's true is because I learned it here. Like, <laughs> it's really cool. It's like your counseling experience can be a little bit of a, um, it's kind of like a classroom or an experiment for what it's like in all your other relationships. It's mm -hmm. like where you can learn it there in your session, you can right. apply with other people. So if something is kind of off, then, okay, let's take this opportunity to learn. What are we going to do with that? How are we going to respond with other people? So those are hopefully some good takeaways from if people are a little bit hesitant with counseling, like it's not actually supposed to always feel smooth and great and wonderful. And I'm so glad I'm here. It's actually work. <laughs> like yeah. you're there to do some work and um, you can benefit even when it's bumpy, you're learning and finding out like, I wonder what, how this is affecting me and what's, um, what's this bringing up for me? What is this challenging me about? I can continue to work with it and then it'll benefit you. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
A hundred percent. I'm agreeing with a lot of what you're saying. And like, I'm also flashing to my own experiences, you know, but I do think that, um, validating their experience and also bringing in kind of the benefits like you were talking about and also saying kind of that line too, like sometimes you have to shop around. So if it was your first, um, person that you got, that you just kind of didn't do well with, or if you're just needing to work some things out with a therapist, I do really see the benefit of it. And so, yeah, here in this episode, we have a couple of tips in order and just like strategies you can take for yourself and maybe like more of a discussion and understanding of limits that we have as people and as support people. And so, and healthy limits. Um, but Yeah, I thought this was a great conversation. You know, we, uh, um, every episode we like to end with gratitudes or affirmations. So, you know, um, I guess like a gratitude that I have right now is just kind of how far I've come in these last couple years and how equipped I feel. You know, I just had a job interview today that I was talking to mom about and I really feel like I nailed it. Like I had some great answers to some (laughs) questions and I remember in just past interviews, just feeling kind of like stumbly and kind of trying to figure out what I'm doing. And now I'm like, boom, got it. Bring it on, you know? And so, yeah, that's, I, I don't know if that's, that that's like an affer thank you, or I mean, aff, whatever <laughs> Affer- it is. Affitude. <laughs> Affitude. <laughs> but, um, regardless, um, I, I was, I was glad for it. Yeah. Um, I'm really just thankful for the beauty of nature, being able to um, see the the trees, the sunshine, the blue sky, even the rain. Like rain can mm-hmm. be just a really refreshing feeling. Um, I, I like being able to connect with nature as a grounding thing. Um, when we walk our dog at night, um, I, the first moments out onto the walk, I always think about my feet on the ground and the sky up above me. Like that's just a good, you know, I'm grounded with my feet and I'm, um, just the wide expanse of the sky. The sky is always amazing. I think it's got all kinds of different changes of, um, color and clouds and, I don't know. It just feels good. It just feels like you're kind of held between those two places, between the ground and the sky. You're kind of, um, held by both of them. And yeah, that's interesting. I normally ground myself, but I don't feel the sky. So from here on out, I'm going to try and feel the sky. I think. Yeah. It's kind of a a neat sensation of just, I think in a way it kind of lifts you out of just everything here present now to kind of just say, I don't have to worry about everything here. It's just like, I don't know. It's kind of, it, it shelters you, but it also feels freeing. I don't know how to even. That's awesome put it all to words, but I know it, it's powerful to me. Like, I think that's the two things I think of when I start off my walk is my feet are grounded. And then I look at the sky and both of those feel very, um, beautiful to me and very meaningful. Yeah. You have, I'm about to go out tonight and bike ride. So I'll definitely be doing that, um, as well. So that'll be pretty cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us everyone. And, uh, we will see you in two weeks. Um, so thanks so much. We'll see you soon.